Hi, and welcome to the Slash Podcast. As you probably know, Slush is the world's leading startup event. You're about to hear an interview conducted at Slush 2017 on the Founder Studio stage, where the biggest names in tech sit down for an intimate Q&A. Jessica Richman and Kimi Scotty are interested in the human microbiome. They're both working on it at Ubiome, a company that Jessica co-founded and Kimi invested in. They talked with Johanni Mykkänen. Hey, let's do one of those things where we actually like, just make sure everyone knows what we're kind of talking about here. So, yeah. um, Ubiome, like, what, what do you guys do? So, what we do at Ubiome is sequence the microbiome, which are the trillions of bacteria that live on and in all of our bodies. Uh, we do this so we can tell you things like, is my probiotic that I bought last week at the health food store, is that working? Is it actually living in your gut? So we can help you better understand what your risks are for things like obesity, pre-diabetes, um, whether you have IBD or IBS. And we have a new product uh, for women's health, which can help you do self-testing at home for um, HPV, sexually transmitted diseases, and the overall balance of your microbiome. And we're building this sort of platform that will help you understand how these bacteria and other organisms that live on your body affect your health with the ultimate goal of really being able to take the science of the microbiome and make it useful to people and fight, fight uh, illness in a lot of different ways using microbiome data. And if I'm someone who wants to like, basically be a customer or understand something, for example, you know, I basically sent you my poop, right? Yeah, so it's <laughs> so we have a lot of poop jokes around the office and we deal with, we do have a laboratory and we have freezers full of poop. Um, so not many people can say that about their company. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's a really simple um, uh, collection method. It's just a swab, like a fancy glorified Q-tip that you swab your toilet paper with. It's not, it's as non-gross as you can possibly do be dealing with something like that. You're going to wipe with toilet paper anyways. You just swab it with a swab and then you send it to us in a special collection kit that we design. Exactly. And Kimmy, uh, you're, you're with A2C and you guys, you know, you're led the be around for you Biomi. So uh, why did you want to invest? So we're so excited when we met Jessica and learned about the, really Jessica taught us a lot about the microbiome and, and led us to exploring this area of science. Her and her partners are really pioneers in the space. Part of the 8VC thesis is bioIT, kind of the convergence between biology and computer science, asking you know, what's possible today that wasn't possible two, five, ten years ago um, in this area. And we think that what Jessica and her team are doing in regards to the uh, microbiome sequencing was really the most exciting thing in this space, and we looked a lot. And, and we'll get to some audience questions very soon. I just want to understand some basics. So there's a lot of, like in this field, things that you know, didn't exist like 10 or 15 years ago. What's the reason? Why is this happening now? Why are you guys the first ones to be like really doing it this well? It's a, it's a really good question. So I think it's a convergence of a couple of trends. So I think the first trend is DNA sequencing. If you're not in this field, you probably don't know this, but DNA the cost of DNA sequencing has gone down 100,000 times over the past 10 years, 100,000 times. So things that used to be impossible are now cheap. Things that used to, you know, like I was saying on stage, you know, people used to spend their whole PhD sequencing one gene if they were lucky, and now you can do a whole human genome, you know, every gene and you know, every gene and every branch of that gene in, you know, in for a thousand dollars, right? Sometimes, and prices dropping even further below that. So 
that that's one massive driver is that people didn't know the microbiome existed because no one would bother to spend their precious genome sequencing money on sequencing bacteria. Like, why would you do that until it became so inexpensive that you could then sequence bacteria and you could find that we're all covered with trillions of bacteria, which is not something that was known before it was inexpensive to do that. And then I think the second piece is around democratization of healthcare and kind of the information revolution hitting healthcare. And we were able to sort of galvanize this interest that people had in both DNA sequencing and in learning about their own health, kind of the quantified self-movement and biohackers into being able to get this data set for the first time. We were the very first company in the space and it enabled us to gather a lot of data quickly and to learn very quickly what products we could make that would be really useful to people. Okay, and uh, right now we're kind of in this phase. You guys are gathering. You have a lot of data. You're gathering more. What's the what's the kind of uh, you know the near future, the farther in the future? What's the dream? Like what will happen if all goes well uh, for that's, you? Guys? That's such a good question. So we view the microbiome as kind of a superset of microbiology. So right now maybe you get a cold, or actually not with a virus, let's say you get an infection and they culture the infection and they tell you what it is, you know, that's kind of a subset that's microbiology. But if you zoom out, the microbiome is microbiology plus all the other things that affect our health. And I think we'll find that a lot of things we thought were not infectious disease are actually caused by the microbiome, things like depression, things like um, other mental health conditions, things like autism has a microbiome component that's already been proven, things like diabetes, things like cancer. There's there've been some really interesting research that just came out recently about um, about cancer and how the microbiome is implicated in it. So I think what we'll, I think the dream kind of five-year, 10-year, 20-year horizon is that we'll take all this information about the microbiome and we'll use it to make people way healthier than they are now because we can harness these, these organisms. They live on us, they travel with us, and they're drugging us all the time. They give us information about, you know, they extract vitamins out of our food. They influence us with the, with the chemicals that they secrete. And we'll take all this and we'll better understand it and we'll be able to use it to help people to make better drugs, to make better clinical tests, and to really improve human life. That's our goal. Uh, and Kimmy, I'm gonna let you represent the money side of this here. So, uh, what's the business opportunity? Is this gonna be like a you know, ten billion dollar business uh, sooner? Or yes. Or? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we hope so. You know, we think that there is a massive business opportunity here, not just on the sequencing testing side, which represents its own opportunity in each individual area that, of science that Jessica's focused on. You know, she's launched a, a gut test and, and now a vaginal test, which which brings us into an entire other market, which is really really exciting, but there's also then productizing um, the actionability after the fact. So if we're telling you, you can, you know, you have to take XYZ products, there's an opportunity to, to both uh, recommend those products and then also there's an opportunity to make those products. And so I think there's a huge industry here. I think this will be a 10 billion plus dollar business and we're really excited about the actual business opportunity in addition to the science. Yeah, so maybe maybe I'll add a few things onto that. I mean, I think that the microbiome, microbiome testing will become standard of care. That's kind of an obvious thing when you get your annual physical. There'll be not just one, but probably several microbiome tests that are part of that to kind of gauge your gut health, gauge your sinus health, gauge your other types of health. And then microbiome-aware products, which is something we're really excited about. We, have, we work with a large cosmetics company and with some food companies to kind of think about, you know, what should be in your yogurt? What should be in your cereal? What should be in your skin cream? to optimize the microbiome and to kind of provide benefits. How do you feed the, the micro, it sounds gross, but the bacteria live on your face and they're eating what's there and how do you optimize that for, for to prevent 
skin conditions, for example, on the medical side, or just for to look younger and healthier, and you know, to have more glowing skin, things like that. Cool. Hey, uh, let's do some audience questions here. Uh, there's quite a few actually, so let's try to like keep them. Uh, let's try to fairly like kind of uh, rapid back and forth here. So. Rob is asking, because your gut flora is constantly changing from day to day, how can you give an accurate picture of the microbiome? It's a really good question. So the gut microbiome, well, all your microbiomes do change, which is one of the things that's interesting because it's interactive in the sense that, you know, you can test your microbiome now, make changes, and then test it later and see, you know, see if they're working, right? Like the goal of taking probiotics or making a dietary change is for it to do something and you can actually see if it is. But it doesn't change day to day. Like it's not a change of like hour by hour, your microbiome is different. It changes every few weeks based on sort of a natural drift of the microbiome. Um, and it can change radically if you do something like to an take antibiotics, which is like the equivalent of like clear cutting the rainforest of your, uh, that lives in your gut. So, you know, we, we advise people test at intervals that make sense given the changes that they're making. If you're making a radical dietary change or if you just take an antibiotics, you'll notice a bigger shift. But if you're not making any massive changes, every few months is probably about the right cadence and it won't change radically in that time period unless you're doing something to feed them something different. That, that's for your gut microbiome. Okay, cool. Uh, then for the next question, can you first explain to me what the question means and then maybe answer? So, do you offer H. pylori testing? Uh, so, H. pylori is a um, is a bacteria that lives in the in the stomach that's associated with stomach ulcers. It's now been proven to be the cause of stomach ulcers. People used to think it was stress, but now we know it's an infectious disease, which is a really interesting example of you know, micro, of the microbiome turning out to change scientific knowledge. Um, so we do. So for our clinical test, we do. Um, offer that um, for the um, we don't offer it for our, our consumer test because we we don't that would that's medical information essentially that tells you about an infection and we don't offer that to consume consumers but we do on the medical side. Okay, great answer. You really have potential in this field. Yeah. <laughs> We've uh, learned a lot. <laughs> uh, is there a relationship between the microbiome and food cravings? Yes, actually, this is really interesting. So if you want to just be fascinated by this, just Google microbiome and um, artificial sugar, you know, microbiome and, you know, NutraSweet or, you know, um, there's some real and other um, artificial sweeteners. It's really interesting that, you know, our bacteria are a lot of the food that we eat doesn't actually go to feed us. It goes to feed them and then they do work for us, which kind of blows your mind and changes your conception of what we are as human beings since we have these bacteria that live on us and in us and are doing things. And they're absolutely correlated with food cravings. Sometimes what you're craving is not for you, but it's to feed them, and they're secreting chemicals that make you crave the thing they want to eat, which is a little nuts, <laughs> but that's actually how it works. So I don't have a sweet tooth, I have a sweet... You have a sweet bug? Gut? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. you have a sweet bug. I have a sweet bug. Yeah. I'm going to start saying that all the time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend in the audience, the guy with the cap, he, he's one of who likes, kind of likes to party. He's now like pretending he doesn't know this. But for example, from, from, from Aku there, like if he you know, enjoys his, his liquor, how does that affect his microbiome? So then when he's hangover and hungry, is that because of his microbiome? I, I, as he raises his drink glass <laughs> in the air. Um, so yeah, so some bacteria will digest alcohol actually. So yeah, so there's definitely a correlation between people who drink frequently and, and the bugs that are in your microbiome. So some really interesting things. I mean, uh, with uh, 
you know, with what's it, the more diverse and healthier your gut microbiome, the more the healthier you are in general. I mean, that's sort of a sort of a truism about the gut microbiome. But we noticed when we we have this survey that goes along with our consumer product, and we noticed that people we ask people you know, how many drinks a week do you have, and people who drink more have different bugs in their microbiome that are digesting the alcohol. Okay. Um how about this? Uh, I am an eager PhD student considering doing an industrial postdoc. What are the possibilities and advantages of doing one at UBiome? Well, that's a great question. Yeah, so we have a lot of PhDs at UBiome. Um, at one point, 90% of our company was scientists, engineers, and laboratory staff. So we have a really, you know, really tech-heavy company. That's how we started and where we are. And now we have, we have well over, I have 50, 60 people with PhDs at UBiome, so it's a really science-driven company. That's our, that's our motivation, is to do better science and then turn it into things that people can actually use. Um, and yeah, we, we, have, we actually have several people now who are doing either doing their PhDs while at UBiome or are doing essentially an industrial postdoc, although we don't call it that. So people that are in microbiology, statistical genetics, um, just pure computational PhDs, people doing PhDs in bioinformatics, biotechnology, um, even on the molecular side, we do a lot of molecular biology. So I would say, you know, absolutely apply. My email is Jessica at Ubiome. I'll send you the right place and we'd love to talk to you more about it. Cool. Hey, let's, uh, uh, let's have Kimmy start the next one. So um, what's been the biggest uh, challenge for you in your work life this year? Wow. Um, <laughs> so many challenges in your work life, right? Um, I would say... The biggest challenge for me actually really developed over the last two years in making the shift from um, entrepreneur to investor full time um, is saying no a lot. Um, as an entrepreneur, and I think more like my disposition is to say yes to everything all the time. I'm a yes girl. I, you know, I want to see opportunity. I want to try a lot of things and explore a lot of things. I'm very curious. And so being an investor means that almost all of the things that are presented to you, you're saying no to because you're presented with so much every day. And so saying no a lot, it was a real shift for me. And so I think that's still, you know, I'm still learning it all the time and I'm still working on that every day. Yeah, not, yeah. You mentioned your yes, girl. I, I, did I? I understood that you kind of got into being an entrepreneur. Like you were like 15 and walking down the street, and someone offered to buy a piece of jewelry from from you, like that yeah. you had made yourself, and then yeah. you just sold it. I did. I said yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I. You know, I kind of was. You know, walking along, I had made this really beautiful necklace, and this woman stopped me, and she asked if she could buy it, and I did the quick math in my head. I was like, it cost me this much, and I'm going to charge double that so that I make a profit, and I sold it to her, and I thought this is better than babysitting. I could do this all the time. I really like making things with my hands, and you know, I can turn this into a real business, and that's how I. That was my first entrepreneur endeavor. If that necklace would have been a gift for your mom and you were taking it to her, would you still have sold it? No. <laughs> I would have I would Same have probably, cost benefit, you know. Yeah, I would have probably said, oh, I'll make one for you. <laughs> cool. Okay, back back to Jessica. What kind of recommendations one receives after doing UBiome's test? That's, that's a good question. So we have three different tests. So they have different recommendations depending on which product it is. So on the health and wellness side, we'll help you better understand what food you should be eating to encourage the growth of a healthy uh, microbiome. Um, you know, is your probiotic working and are there other probiotics that might work better for you? Um, changes in lifestyle that might make sense for you. Um, on the medical side with SmartCut, which is our clinical
clinical test um, for the gut. Um, we can uh, make more medical recommendations. We have a set of recommendations for, for you and your physician to work through. So there are, if you have IBD, there's sort of first-line drugs that people can take. There are also certain antibiotics that are less harsh on the microbiome that you could choose to take rather than other antibiotics. So there's kind of more medical recommendations on that side. And of course, the same dietary recommendations for people of IBS, for example, that are working with a doctor or nutritionist on that. And then for Smart Jane, um, so there's very well-established clinical utility around HPV infection and STDs and things like that. Obviously, if you have an STD, you seek treatment for it, and then we can do, be a follow-up test for that. For HPV, you also seek treatment for that, and we can be a follow-up test to see if the infection is resolved. Um, and then for just kind of risk factors in uh, Smart Jane and our women's health test, you know, there are a lot of things you can do to encourage the growth of healthy vaginal flora. Some of them are the same, like eating probiotics can actually transfer them all over your body. It's really interesting. So if you eat probiotics, they're also good for your gut, but they'll show up on your skin. They'll show up in your mouth. They'll show up everywhere, actually. So um, you can do those kinds of things. And we give you recommendations based on what's in your microbiome to help you, um, help you see what the best course of action is. Yeah, I'm, uh, this may be too much information, but I am a person with, with IBS, meaning I'm, uh, my body is like very, you know, I get stomach pain easily and from a lot of food. I, you know, looked up your website and you have this like, my, my gut, or, or, what, what the... the uh, Explorer, is that the... The, the gut test that, that you guys saw. Yeah, SmartGut. Smart smart gut. Gut. yeah, SmartGut. Yeah. So, and I, I was like, really excited, I wanted to order it, but it was only for the US at the time being. So when yeah. do we get that? That's, a, that's such a good question. So we launched it initially in the US, our laboratories in the US, and we wanted to kind of test it in the US, but we are gonna be launching internationally very soon, so stay tuned, and we'll be in over 50 countries pretty soon, so it should be really exciting. Included? Um, sorry, second. Fin Finland included? I think or? Finla yeah, I think Finland's on the list. I think we can agree Many, now. Uh, yes. Based on this, it's promised. Actually, so. Finland, just for <laughs> yeah. you. No, yeah. I think um, definitely uh, definitely many countries in Europe. Different countries have different rules about where you can send samples, but um, I believe Finland is one of the ones that we can do. And no, it's going to be really exciting because it's, it's a great test. We've used it on tens of thousands of people have already used it in the US and we're really excited to bring it to the rest of the world. Yeah, you need to come to Finland. I already did 23 and me the G DNA, so like you guys don't want to be a second. So I right. mean, obviously, yeah, yeah. we gotta hurry up. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Sure. So I think one of the things that's really interesting that Jessica talks about is sort of the variation in different microbiomes around the world and how that's important to the database. So what do you think launching to the more globally in 50 more countries will do to your database? Oh, that's, that's a really good question. So actually our first product, Explorer, was launched globally to start with. A lot of people don't know this, but it's really interesting. We launched on Indiegogo when we first launched our crowdfunding campaign, which was in every country that would take PayPal. So it's like 194 countries. And instantly our first data set was 40% outside the US, and which was really kind of surprising given that it was all in English and we only marketed in the US, but people found out about all over the world. And it means our data set is highly international as it is. And we've been discussing some partnerships with um, people in, in a variety of different countries. And we find that we already have a significant presence of people that are in their country. So we already have good data to start with. So I think one of the, one of the great consequences of, you know, healthcare being kind of a global need that everyone needs regardless of which country you're in is that, you know, this advantage of building the data set is not just an American thing, it's an international thing and we can really, you know, help people in a lot of places and I think that makes our launch of the clinical tests in, internationally a, a much easier thing to do because we already have all this data that can make it applicable in a lot of places. Uh, there's an interesting question here and uh, it's also kind of ties to, like, you know, I, I was kind of researching you guys, it took me a while to kind of understand what you're doing. I, I'm 
fairly certain we have people in the audience at the moment who kind of understand what we're talking about. Like but what it's is still, this? Guts? So, so like, here's know. a question here. How do you do product marketing at Ubiome? What's the biggest challenge in communicating your product? Uh, it's such a good question because in a lot of ways we're making new markets, right? Like we, there is no test. So SmartGut is was and still is the world's first and only sequencing-based clinical microbiome test. So there are no other sequencing-based clinical microbiome tests in the world. So not only are you trying to you know, educate people about your product, but you have to educate them about something they've never heard of before. And what's and, sequencing based? Yeah, you know, and what like is a... sequencing? And what does that mean? And why do you care? And how, what does it do for you? And all those kinds of things. So I think, I think um, we benefit a lot from this popular interest in the microbiome that people are just curious and they want to know. But I think there's also a big educational piece. And what we've done is really making the products actionable and useful from the beginning, we don't want it to just be an intellectual curiosity of like, oh, the microbiome's cool, what do I know about, what can I learn about it? There's, there's that, and that's kind of where we started, but we, it, ultimately, we really want to have massive impact on people's health and to, you know, to actually make their lives better, and the way to do that is to provide very concrete benefits. So in the case of SmartGut, we're very clear, you know, here is how you use it. If you have IBD or IBS, we can help you better understand in ways that were not previously possible, and whether it's sequencing-based or any of those buzzwords, you know, we just want to provide value. And the same thing's true with, um, with SmartJane, you know, it's a, the first test of its kind, it's the only sequencing-based vaginal test in the world. But what does that mean to you? What that means is that once you have your regular exam, if they find an HPV infection, you can do your next test at home really conveniently and easily, right? Like that's, that's super easy for anyone to understand. You don't have to drive to the doctor's office. You can just do it at home. And we'll tell you more than other tests will. We'll tell you, for example, which type of HPV you have, not that you have some high-risk type of HPV. And you know that's because we do DNA sequencing. There's a whole sort of technical background behind that. But the real result of that is that you get better healthcare and you understand more about your body and we make it useful to you. How about you, like Kimmy, you, when you invested like last year, did, were you looking at this from the point of view that you know, this is going to be commercialized for, for the consumers or were you just kind of thinking that you know, it's going to be big either way since it's, it's a big area and it's sort of important? So, well. Yeah, I think, you know, I think for us, we saw, you know, we met Jessica and her team and, and looked at Ubiome as, um, as an area of science we wanted to move forward, something that's beneficial for consumers, but also that would help drug developers, that would help all of these different product developers around, um, you know, how do you cre create sort of more uh, directed um, products for each of these individual needs. And so I think it's not just an area uh, for consumers that was important, but also for the enterprise. And so that, I think that's what Jessica was sort of alluding to before. You know, you can, you can inform um, companies on how to make better skincare solutions for individuals and things like that. Yeah, I mean, what's so interesting about the microbiome is it's not a complete industry yet, right? Like there's, there's us doing clinical testing and there are, there are people who do kind of consumer focused stuff only and then there's drug development, but there's this whole ecosystem that's going to be filled in at some point. And I think there's a lot of, there's just a lot of value to be gained in better understanding the microbiome and helping it, you know, applying it to human life. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, this is Jessica for you. Did you have any support from academia colleagues or on the contrary? You guys are kind of doing a controversial thing here. It's not only like by traditional academic research, but you're using citizen science. You know, it's really yeah. interesting. So some, so my background, my field, I didn't start out in biology. My PhD is in you know, applied math, so it's a totally different field. So I didn't get support, lack of support. People were just kind of confused by what I was doing. So that's a totally different thing. But I think we got a tremendous amount of support from the mainstream in academia, actually, you know, one of our advisors is Dr. Joe DeRisi, MacArthur Genius Award winner, professor at UCSF, um, you know, Dr. Tulbute, who runs 
he's not as internationally famous, but he's very famous in, in the U.S. He runs all of the IT for the state of California university system. Um, Dr. George Church, who people here might have heard of, really famous leading geneticist at Harvard. So all these people are very supportive of the things that we're doing, and they've been some of them have been with us since day one, and some of them have been with us for, for several years. So I think they were all very supportive, because I think scientists that are really trying to advance the edges of the field really know that citizen science is a great way to get your science out there, to make it have an impact, to get better data. Like, I think, I think that that part is not controversial at all, actually, and I think we're, I'm glad of that, because it just seems like such a no-brainer to me. Like, why wouldn't you want to have more data to better understand the human body to make science move faster? Like, isn't that all, why we're all here? We have a couple of minutes left. Let's do very short answers. I just want to get people answered to their questions. So do probiotics work? Some probiotics work some of the time for some people. <laughs> okay. Um, how about, um, do you have any medical co-operators in Finland or Scandinavia? I, not currently, because we're only we only sell clinical tests in the U.S. But we're happy to partner with anyone who's interested. We have some partners that we're developing in other countries. So I'd love if someone knows someone or is interested in being a collaborator, definitely just write to me and we'll we'll talk more. Cool. And then uh, I'm a recent graduate looking to further studies through PhD and aiming to commercialize research as end goal. What are your thoughts and any generic advice? Smiley. I mean, I think they're very different. That's maybe that's not a short answer. I would say start a startup. I don't know. Um, I would say that uh, commercializing research um, means a move into industry in some way. And different parts of industry are very different. If you work for a large pharma versus if you work for your own startup or another small startup. So I think it's important to think about what kind of impact you want to have and where you can have it, and uh, you know how you know how much risk you personally want to take and things like that. But I say definitely go for it because it really is a way to take take what you've learned and turn it into something that can have a massive impact on a lot of people. Cool. Um, I think uh, we'll have to wrap this up. I want to you know, start, uh, end with a generic, more generic, but still not that easy question. Both of you, what would you like it to say on your gravestone? Aren't we trying to solve death? Yeah, I think, you well, know, I mean, <laughs> I don't spend, I, I wish I could answer your question in a serious way. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about my gravestone. I spend a lot of time trying to maximize the time between here and there. Uh, yeah, you felt that you... I wish you I had a better answer, but I just don't <laughs> yeah, think about it very we, much. Yeah, if we get our way, we won't have gravestones, right? Yeah. I think okay, that's, so that's, that's a beautiful science answer. Stones. Yeah. I don't know. That must be... Would probably be pretty cool to invest in a company who solved death. That would probably have some kind of return yeah. on investment. <laughs> An infinite return, yeah. if you think about it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, no more dead people, you bio. Cool. <laughs> hey, thanks so much, guys. It was an honor having thanks you. Yeah. Jessica Richman, Kimmy Scotty, thanks a lot. Have thanks a big so hand. much. Nice to meet you all. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Slush Podcast. Find out more about Slush at slush.org. Please rate and review our podcast. And if you haven't yet done so, subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.